I'd like to welcome you to our fourth quarter earnings conference call. Joining me today is our CEO and President Mark Hurd and CFO Bob Wayman. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you that this call is being webcast live. The webcast and the fourth quarter earnings slide presentation, including gap reconciliation tables, can be accessed on the HP Investor Relations page under company information at www.hp.com. A replay will also be available shortly after the conclusion of the call for approximately one year. Next, it's my duty to inform you that the primary purpose of this call is to provide you with information regarding the fourth quarter. However, some of our comments and responses to your questions may include forward-looking statements. These forward-looking statements are based on certain assumptions and are subject to a number of risks and uncertainties, and actual future results may vary materially. I encourage you to read the risk factors described in the company's quarterly report on Form 10-Q for the fiscal quarter ended July 31, 2005, as well as subsequent SEC filings after our FY04 Form 10-K for an understanding of the factors that may affect the company's businesses and results. I'd also like to point out that earnings, gross margins, operating expenses, and similar items discussed at the company level are generally expressed on a non-GAAP basis and therefore have been adjusted to exclude certain acquisition-related charges, in-process R&D charges, amortization of goodwill and purchase intangibles, restructuring charges, and net investment losses. A presentation of GAAP financial information for the present quarter and a reconciliation of non-GAAP amounts to GAAP are included in the financial statements accompanying today's earnings release, which is also available on HP Investor Relations page under hp.com. Finally, we have a lot of people on today's call and with a view to allowing time for multiple questions for questions from multiple firms, please refrain from asking multi-part questions and please save clarifications for callbacks after the call. With that, I'll turn the call over to Mark Hurd. Thanks, Brian. Well, good afternoon and thank you for joining us. I'm uh, pleased with our fourth quarter results. We delivered solid operational results, saw a margin expansion in some of our key businesses, had good cost discipline generated strong cash flow, and continue to make progress on key initiatives. The employees of HP have been working hard, and our efforts are paying off. Let me give you some highlights of the quarter. First, net revenue growth of 7% year-over-year, or 6% in local currency. Non-GAAP EPS growth of 24% year-over-year. Continued operating margin expansion in key businesses, with personal systems operating margins of 2.8%. Enterprise storage and servers margins of 9.1% and software margins of 8.7%. Our third consecutive quarter of solid printer hardware unit growth in imaging and printing, one of the leading indicators of future supplies growth. Cash flow from operations of $1.9 billion, bringing the year-to-date total to $8 billion. And share repurchases of $1.4 billion, bringing the year-to-date total to $3.5 billion. Our performance in the fourth quarter, coupled with a solid third quarter, triggered significant employee bonuses for the second half of fiscal 2005, and the fourth quarter impact of this is reflected in the segment results. Now, turning quickly to the business segments, during, during the fourth quarter, imaging and printing revenue grew 4% year-over-year to $6.8 billion, with consumer hardware revenue down 4% and commercial hardware revenue and supplies revenue up 4% and 7%, respectively. Segment operating profit was $896 million, or 13.2% of revenue. During the quarter, overall printer hardware unit growth was 8%, with consumer printer hardware unit shipments up 6%, and commercial printer hardware unit shipments up 16%. 
Within these categories, we saw strong unit shipment growth and key initiatives, with all-in-one unit shipments up 25% year-over-year. Color laser unit shipments up 41% year-over-year, and enterprise multifunction printer shipments up 83%. We are focused on driving unit growth of high-ink consumption units, and we're confident that this will drive solid supplies growth. We've also seen strong acceptance of products based on our recently introduced scalable print technology, a breakthrough in the architecture and manufacturing of the inkjet printhead. This allows us to deliver record print speeds in the home and office and can be scaled to a broad set of high-volume printing applications, making it one of our most significant announcements in recent years. We're also focused on success in the high end with our digital press, wide format, and graphics initiatives. On November 1st, we closed our acquisition of Cytex, expanding our leadership in large-format printing into the industrial super-wide category. And at Print05, we announced major advances in the digital transformation of the graphics art industry, further consolidating our leadership position. This is a significant opportunity for HP, and we're aligning significant resources behind the commercial print opportunity. Moving out of personal systems, we continued to show a balanced approach to revenue growth and operating margin improvements. Revenue grew 9% year-over-year to $7.1 billion, with particular strength in notebooks where revenue increased 23%. Our consumer business had another excellent quarter, with revenue growth of 14% year-over-year and strong operating margins. Consumer notebook shipments increased 48% over the prior year period, demonstrating HP's competitive strength and strong retail presence, as well as the shift to mobility. Revenue and commercial clients increased 8% year-over-year, with notebooks posting strong growth and profitability improvements. Our workstation business continues to post solid results, delivering share gains, strong year-over-year revenue growth, and excellent profitability. Segment operating profit was $200 million, or 2.8% of revenue, representing the fifth consecutive quarter of operating margin improvement in personal systems. The team has done an excellent job turning around the profitability of the PC business, and operating margins have now increased for each of the last four quarters, with full-year fiscal 05 margins at 2.5% of revenue. Enterprise storage and servers had a strong quarter, with revenue up 10% year-over-year to $4.5 billion, and operating profit of $405 million, or 9.1% of, of revenue. Over the past 12 months, the Enterprise Storage and Server team has focused on various operational levers to improve the momentum and profitability of the business. This quarter's results reflect their efforts in turning around the business and demonstrating the financial leverage of the model. Within ESS, revenue in industry standard servers increased 12% year-over-year, reflecting continued solid execution on a number of fronts, including discount controls, option attach rates, and unit mix. We continue to see strength in server blades, where revenue increased 65% over the prior year period. Revenue in business-critical systems declined 1% year-over-year. We continue to see solid momentum integrity servers with revenue up 70% year-over-year, and this was offset by weakness in PA risk and alpha. Storage revenue increased 17% year-over-year, reflecting improved execution and solid growth in every product category and every region. We saw ongoing strength in the mid-range, with EVA revenue up 44% year-over-year. We also had solid growth at the high end, where XP revenue increased 32% over the prior year period. We will continue to work hard on key initiatives such as sales specialist hiring and our alignment with enterprise bars to drive sustainable momentum in storage. Revenue in HP services grew 6% year-over-year to $3.9 billion. 
within HPS, technology services grew 4%, managed services grew 9%, and consulting and integration revenue grew 11%. We're working on driving greater efficiency and leverage in the services organization via delivery model improvements and investments in lower cost locations. We are also working to leverage the R&D investments in OpenView to reduce the cost structure of services and to optimize our R&D roadmap. Segment operating profit was $322 million, or 8.3% of revenue. As in the third quarter, HP services margins were pressured by the company bonus accrual, given the headcount intensity of the business. If you exclude the fourth quarter bonus accrual, Operating margins in managed services and consulting and integration were at their best levels in two and three years, respectively. And operating margins in technology services were at their highest levels in fiscal year 05. However, we need to deliver solid margins while absorbing the company bonus payments. And we'll continue to work hard on the operations of the business to drive to this goal. Turning to software. Revenue grew 11% to $311 million, with growth in OpenView and OpenCall of 16% and 3% respectively. Software delivered its first-ever operating profit, with segment operating profit of $27 million, or 8.7% of revenue. We are pleased to be in the black and will continue to work on revenue growth and productivity initiatives, as well as cost discipline. During the quarter, we continue to strengthen our software offerings with a pending acquisition of Peregrine. The acquisition will add key asset and service management components to the HP OpenView portfolio, a distributed management software suite for business operations and IT. Peregrine's capabilities include asset tracking, expense controls, process automation, service control, service alignment, and enterprise discovery, IT executive, dashboard products, as well as outsourcing, business continuity, and consolidation management. I'll leave uh, my segment's uh, comments at that for now, and I'd like to turn the call over to Bob. Thank you, Mark, and good afternoon, everyone. Let me begin with a quick review of the performance of our financial services business. Revenue for HPFS during the quarter was $514 million, up 3% year-over-year and 5% sequentially. Operating margin was 10.1%, up from 3.8% last year and down from 11.9% in Q3. The improvement in margin is largely due to the fact that Q404 results were adversely impacted by the recording of reserves for certain receivables. During the course of FY05, the risk, portfolio, risk profile of the portfolio has steadily improved and the reserve levels have been adjusted accordingly. Financing volume decreased 1% year over year and was up 21% sequentially. Portfolio assets decreased 3% year-over-year and increased 1% sequentially. Now on to the key elements of the P&L. Non-GAAP EPS was $0.51, cents, up from $0.41 cents a year ago. GAAP EPS for the quarter was $0.14, cents, which included $1.1 billion, or $0.37, cents in after-tax adjustments that were not included in our non-GAAP results. The majority of the adjustments relate to pre-tax restructuring charges of $1.6 billion, which is a more significant charge than the $1.1 billion that we estimated when we announced our restructuring in July. The increase over our initial estimates is due to the following. Approximately $250 million primarily associated with higher U.S. early retirement program costs versus our original estimates, and incremental expense from the acceleration of vesting and extension of exercise periods on stock options. 
approximately 200 million, primarily arising from differences in the job mix of terminated employees versus original estimates. And we now expect to include approximately 15,300 employees in our announced restructuring program, approximately 800 more than our original estimate. While some of these additional costs will not yield additional savings, we do expect roughly $150 million in incremental annual growth savings beginning in FY07, above the $1.9 billion in growth savings that we estimated in July. Consistent with our announcement in July, we expect roughly half of these savings to fall to earnings. Note also that although we took a significant charge in the fourth quarter, we will not begin to yield savings until employees have left the company. Approximately 4,700 employees left the company in the fourth quarter related to the July announcement. We still estimate that we will be executing on the plan throughout 06, and savings will increase accordingly. Revenue of $22.9 billion for the quarter was up 7% year-over-year and up 6% when adjusted for the effects of the currency. On a regional basis, revenue was up 5% in the Americas, 8% in EMEA, and 12% in Asia-Pacific. When adjusted for the effects of currency, revenue was up 4% in the Americas, 8% in EMEA, and 9% in Asia-Pacific. Gross profit was $5.4 billion for the quarter, or 23.5% of revenue, up from 23.4 a year ago and 23.2% sequentially. Year-over-year -year gross margin improvements in ESS, PSG, and to a lesser extent, HPFS and software were partially offset by gross margin declines in IPG and HPS. Non-GAAP operating expense totaled $3.6 billion for the quarter, or 15.9% of revenue, down from 16.4% a year ago and 17.5% sequentially. Adjusting for currency, expenses were up 3% year-over-year and 1% sequentially. Given that bonus accruals significantly pressured OPEX relative to the prior year, I am overall pleased with the progress we've made in OPEX and will continue to focus on expense management. Non-GAAP operating profit was $1.7 billion, or 7.6% of revenue, up $245 million year-over-year year, and $543 million sequentially. Non-GAAP other income and expense was income of $135 million, or roughly $0.04 cents per share, above the $0.02 cents per share we had estimated coming into the quarter. The increase reflects more favorable net interest income and currency impacts than our original estimate. Given current interest rates, projected cash and debt levels, and currency dynamics, we estimate OI&E to be about $0.03 cents per share per quarter for FY06. While we may experience some one-time gains or losses from this baseline, these items are difficult to predict, and we will just call them out if and or when they occur. Our non-GAAP tax rate was 20.0% for the quarter in line with our guidance. I expect a non-GAAP tax rate of about 20% for fiscal 2006. Next, the balance sheet. HP owned inventory came in at $6.9 billion, down $194 million year over year and up $233 million sequentially. Inventory days of supply stands at 35 days, down from 39 days last year and 38 days sequentially. Inventory was managed well across each of our businesses. Regarding channel inventory, we ended the quarter in excellent shape across the border, across the board with ESS and PSG at roughly four weeks and IPG a bit over five weeks. 
Further, IPG channel inventory dollars were down year over year, while PSG was roughly flat. ESS dollars were up from unusually low prior year levels. Trade receivables ended the quarter at $9.9 billion, down $323 million, or 3%, over the prior year, and up $1.1 billion, or 13%, sequentially, in line with normal seasonality. As a percentage of revenue, trade receivables were 11.4%, down from 12.8% year-over-year, and up from 10.3% sequentially. DSO now stands at 39 days, down from 43 days last year, and up sequentially from 38 days. Next, property plant and equipment was down $198 million year-over-year and up $21 million sequentially to $6.5 billion. Gross CapEx was $522 million, down 29% year-over-year and up 57% sequentially. On a net basis, CapEx was $446 million, down 30% year-over-year and up 114% sequentially, primarily reflecting a lease rest reclassification that I mentioned last quarter. Financing assets accounted for a significant portion of CapEx during the quarter. Net PP&E as a percent of revenue now stands at 7.4%, down from 8.3% year-over-year and 7.5% sequentially. Regarding accounts payable, Days payable closed the quarter at 52 days, up from 51 days, both sequentially and year over year. Next, some comments on cash. Cash flow from operations was $1.9 billion for the quarter, despite paying approximately $900 million in funding to the pension plans and $300 million in tax payments related to repatriation. For the full year, we generated $8 billion of cash from operations, up 58% year over year. Free cash flow, that is operating cash flow less net CapEx, was $6.6 billion, up 93% over last year. Both operating cash flow and free cash flow are the highest in the company's history. For Q1 cash flow planning purposes, do keep in mind that we expect significant cash outlays associated with our restructuring actions and company bonus payment. During the quarter, we repurchased $1.4 billion in stock and paid $229 million in our normal dividend. For the full year 05, we repurchased $3.5 billion in stock and paid over $900 million in dividends. We closed the quarter with total gross cash of $13.9 billion, down from $14.6 billion sequentially and up from $13.0 billion year over year. Our weighted average shares outstanding remain flat from Q3 to Q4 in line with the guidance we gave you last quarter. Going forward, I expect weighted average shares outstanding to remain about flat with our Q4 exit level of $2,915,000,000. This expectation takes into account our continuing share repurchase activities and the current year appreciation in the stock price. There will, of course, be some variation based on our level of share repurchases and on the subsequent share price and its impact on option exercise patterns and common stock equivalents. Now, a few full-year P&L highlights. For the full year, revenue was $86.7 billion, up 8% year-over-year, or 6% when adjusted for the effects of currency. On a full-year basis, non-GAAP EPS was $1.62, up 22% from $1.33 last year. GAAP EPS for the year was $0.82, cents, 
which included $2.3 billion, or $0.80, cents in after-tax adjustments that were not included in our non-GAAP results. Now for a few comments on our outlook for Q1 and the full-year fiscal 06. On a constant currency basis, revenue typically declines by approximately 2 to 3% from Q4 into Q1, in line with normal business seasonality. However, given the significant currency movements over the last few months, we are faced with an additional sequential headwind of approximately 1% in Q1 if exchange rates stay roughly where they are today. With this in mind, we expect revenue of 22.3 to 22.6 billion in Q1 06. The full year impact of currency fluctuations is more difficult to predict. However, given the euro traded in the 125 to 135 range for the majority of FY05, we expect an adverse full year currency impact of approximately 2 to 3% for FY06, with our current modeling suggesting that Q206 growth may be the most adversely affected. When looking forward to the full year and taking these currency effects into account, we estimate FY06 revenue growth of roughly 3 to 5%, suggesting FY06 revenue of approximately 89.5 to $91.0 billion. On a constant currency basis, this would reflect similar growth to the 6% constant currency growth we achieved in FY05. Before addressing EPS guidance, a few comments on stock compensation. Effective Q106, we are adopting FAS 123R, which requires us to include expenses related to stock compensation based on their fair values. We are providing non-GAAP EPS estimates with and without option expenses for comparability purposes. However, we will include stock compensation in our reported non-GAAP results and ask that all analysts include stock compensation expense in their officially submitted estimates. We are adopting FAS 123R prospectively, and as such, we will not be restating prior period financial results. To assist you in analyzing trends in our stock compensation, we have provided two slides in our earnings presentation, which include stock compensation functionalized between cost of goods sold and operating expenses for the last eight quarters. Also, for FY06, we currently intend to hold FAS 123R expenses at the corporate level and not allocate them to our operating segments. We expect Q1 06 non-GAAP EPS of 46 to 48 cents, excluding stock compensation, or 42 to 44 cents, including approximately 3 or 4 cents from stock-based compensation. For FY06, we expect non-GAAP EPS of $1.88 to $1.95, excluding stock compensation, or $1.75 to $1.82, including approximately $0.13 cents from stock-based compensation. With that, I'll turn it over to you, operator, to begin the Q&A. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask a question, please key star followed by one on your touchstone telephone. If your question has been answered and you do wish to withdraw that question, please press star 2. Again, ladies and gentlemen, it is star 1 for any questions that you have at this time. Our first question today comes from the line of Laura Canigliaro with Goldman Sachs. Yes, just uh, considering where we're seeing printer margins right now, um, how should we think about printer margins uh, as targets going forward? That is, uh, 
with, with margins near the low end of your 13 to 15% operating margin target range, should we, in fact, be thinking that uh, they will shift down a little bit? Uh, Laura, this is Mark. Uh, thanks for the question. I, I, I think we're sticking with our 13 to 15 um, uh, range. Uh, in the 13 to that we reported, there is some effect for the company-wide bonus that uh, – that uh, Bob described in, in, in some detail. So we, we think that's the range to continue to, uh, to stick to. Next question, please. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Bill Shope with J.P. Morgan. Okay, great. Thanks. Uh, looking at the enterprise profit, that was uh, certainly far above what I, was, what I was expecting for the quarter. Looking here, I mean, is this real? How persistent or how sustainable is this margin level? Obviously, factoring in seasonal issues, uh, and were there any events in the quarter that helped you uh, that you may not see again going forward? And I guess how much restructuring was factored in uh, to that number this quarter? Uh, Bill, thanks. This is Mark. I'll let Bob add, add color. No um, specific, unique, one-time events that uh, that were in the numbers that would cause it to be. Um, um, different in a, in a forward-looking period. I do agree with your point about seasonality effects that definitely affect uh, the performance of the business, so I wouldn't extrapolate you'd see the same result in a Q1, but no unique event uh, that occurred in the, in the fourth quarter that, would, that artificially pumped up results. And the, uh, the profit performance was, um, was pretty balanced within the various elements of, uh, of the segment as well. Uh, as you know, we had seen certainly some weakness in our storage business, and as that uh, product line has uh, been uh, refreshed, we, we saw, as Mark mentioned, nice growth, but uh, with that, uh, improved profitability. Um, you know, there's been a lot of hard work in, uh, in these segments, and uh, it paid off in Q4, but do reinforce what uh, Mark said. I mean, Q4 is always a very strong quarter for this um, highly leveraged business, so don't extrapolate that level going forward. Thank you, Bill. Next question, please. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Tony Sacogany with Sanford Bernstein. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, can you comment on growth mar- gross margin expectations? Uh, they were down year over year for the full year for the third straight year. Um, can you provide any sense on where you expect those to be? And then also you have repeatedly alluded to significant employee bonuses being a drag on various segment profitability and overall profitability. I think the implication is that you feel that those bonuses can be a smaller hit to profitability next year. If that's the case, can you define or dimension the size of the employee bonus uh, impact in 05 and what you're expecting for 06? And if it is dramatically lower, what kind of impact will that have on morale with employees? But Tony, uh, I'll, I'll start with the gross margin. Uh, we, of course, are not going to give you any, uh, any quantitative uh, guidance on gross margin. Uh, you know, you, you rightfully uh, note the uh, trend in gross margin, and um, you know some of that is uh, is, is just out there. Um, we need to uh, continue to take costs out, which we have uh, plans to do, but we also believe that we're going to have to uh, reinvest uh, some of that uh, improved competitiveness in uh, lower prices, and that's going to continue to keep uh, pressure on margin. Furthermore, we've uh, we've seen and uh, may continue to see strong growth in. Those elements of the product line that are uh, that are a bit lower margin, be it PCs or industry standard servers, whatever. So, we expect uh, continuing pressures. Uh, we'll leave it open as to how much of that can be offset by our uh, our efforts to uh, take costs out. Yeah, and Tony, just one other piece of um, commentary on gross margins. I mean, there's there's nary a, a business in HP that has 
uh, the gross margin that we report as as a company. Um, so it's really a mix. So as much depends for us on the, where we get our growth and the mix of that growth by product line to determine what happens in, in, in overall HP gross margin. So it gets back into our discussion about our performance and storage and many of our other businesses' software that really can have a positive effect on gross margin over time. So that mix is a critical component. As it relates to bonus, I think what we're just trying to do is, is illuminate the fact that there is a bonus number in the results. Um, you know, part of what we're doing is there, there hasn't been a significant bonus uh, here for a while. So I think that, for back to your question on morale, it's it's, it's probably a good news thing, and, and I think the company has, has worked very hard over the past several months to earn that. So that's point one. Point two, in the, in the future, though, we, we're going to continue to index the bonus to improve performance of the company. And so, you know, to the degree that we'll have a bonus, it'll be based on the fact that we perform in a way that earns that bonus as it relates to uh, our overall results. So I can't predict that for you at this point in time other than to say we hope to pay a bonus. We'd like to expect to pay a bonus, but based on the fact that we as a company perform uh, on an ever-improving basis. Thanks, Tony. Next question, please. Thank you. Our next question comes from line of Richard Farmer with Merrill Lynch. Thank you. Uh, Mark, if I could ask a question on the printer pricing environment and uh, I guess a related issue that I think you could argue is caused by the aggressive pricing that we've seen, uh, and that would be installed-based churn. Uh, so, you know, in the, in the first sense, we've seen Lexmark uh, lower prices again. Uh, is that something that you think uh, you need to respond to? Uh, and then uh, on the on the churn uh, part of the question, you know, given uh, the lower prices that we've seen, and arguably that, that printers are more disposable now, uh, do you think that the average life of the printers and the installed base is shrinking, uh, which would you know imply a, a shorter duration of the annuity stream of, of supplies per per unit of of hardware investment? Hi, Richard. Thanks. You had a little buzzing on the line as you were talking, but I, I, I'm pretty sure I I, I got it. Um, so first on the pricing, um, you know, I, I will say I do hear a lot of commentary uh, about pricing, uh, but you know, we we're not trying to be the quote unquote price leader in the in, in the marketplace. We have certain segments that are high consumption uh, segments that we target. We we think we know what the premium um, should be relative to competition, and we work within those models to try to get to the best uh, destination that we think makes sense. So. I think overall, um, our view is that uh, the pricing has got different factors in different parts of the market. We try to target where we take our price action. We think we know our model. And it isn't just relative to the competitor you named. There are several other competitors and several other segments, obviously, that we target uh, as well. In terms of uh, what's going on with usability, I don't have a data point to share with you that I can give you about about the uh, average length of time that a printer stays installed. So I, I, I wish I could help you, and, and, but I, I just don't have any data on that to share with you. Thanks. Thank you, Richard. Next question, please. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Ben Reitzes with UBS. Yeah, good afternoon. Thanks. Um, could you talk about a little more about PSG? Um, Mark, how sustainable is the imp- are the improvements there, and what is unique about HP's business model there that's delivering this improvement, and is it sustainable? Maybe talk about your uh, dual sourcing of processors as well as uh, maybe uh, some of the product lines you're offering there. It, it seems that you're doing better than some of your competitors in the consumer space, and that's helping your results. Sure. I mean, a, a couple of points. Um, one, I think that uh, coming to the company, just to make a brief bit of commentary, um, you really 
I really haven't heard of a lot of illumination about the consistent improvement in the PC business and the PSG organization. Uh, the improvement, Ben, has really been going on over a period of time. So when you go look at what's happened over the past four years, it's been really steady improvement year by year and, frankly, quarter by quarter. And I think it reflects uh, a number of disciplines going on uh, simultaneously. So you've got certainly a situation where I think we've done a good job with our supply line. I think we're doing a good job uh, uh, building uh, things that people want to buy. We've certainly got good strength in retail, which gives us good strength in consumer, and we've certainly got a strong situation in various global and international markets. So when you look at our ability to deal with multiple international markets where HPCO has a very strong footprint, it's certainly a key strength for the overall PC business. But again, Ben, I would say this hasn't been a one-quarter story. This has been a multi-quarter story and, frankly, a multi-year story. And uh, when you say is it sustainable, we expect the business to continue to perform. Thanks, Ben. Next question, please. Thank you. Our next question is from the line of Andre Neff with Bear Stearns. Sure. Uh, thanks. I guess... I could just ask, when you look at your priorities, Mark, for the company, I mean, one of the things you've done, the software business, getting that to profitability is obviously one of the high priority items. Maybe you could talk us through how you got that business to, or and how they got it to profitability, and what your highest priorities are over the next quarter or so. Well, I'll briefly talk about software, and then I can I can talk about that. I think the software business uh, grew, which was the major driver of of its improvement in profitability. If you looked at the sequential profitability, its break-even point actually went down by about five million uh, sequential quarter to quarter. So, you know, that certainly has a uh, piece of it uh, in terms of its its performance. But it would have been profitable even if the break-even point had stayed at the same sequential point that had been in Q3. So, I think it's a combination of growth, Andy, in addition to its ability to reduce its break-even point. We are working on both at the same time, and we're looking at refining our software maintenance model. Uh, and when I say refining, it's just making sure that we run the business uh, effectively, that we get a capture rate for our software maintenance and that uh, uh, that we deliver great so- service as we do it. And as you do that, you begin to mature your software model, you will see improved performance. So uh, we're very focused on that business at growth at the same time as, as being able to deliver a strong operational model. Overall for the company, uh, I, I would tell you that what we've been what we've been talking about for the past several months is we're, we're still working on the same things, and that's the fact that we're, we're trying to get our costs right. We're trying to be efficient, and you know we announced what we did in July 19th, and we've got to continue on getting that executed. Bob described, you know, much of the action that we've taken, but we still have more to do to finish off the work that we've already announced. That's point one. Point two, we're really trying hard to focus on driving growth and expansion not just overall for HP, but in some of the key markets. And you mentioned one of them, Andy, in in, in software. So I I think we're trying to do, you know, two things at the same time, which is the fact to be very efficient in our cost structure and be as efficient as we can at the same time as we focus on trying to grow the company in key segments as well. Thanks, Andy. Next question, please. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Richard Gardner with Citigroup. Uh, Thank you. Mark was hoping you could uh, follow up on an earlier question regarding the improvement in enterprise server and storage margins and just maybe give us a sense of uh, which products uh, primarily drove the uptick in margins, uh, whether it was more related to improving gross margins or reductions in operating expense. And then finally, give us an update on where you are in the process of of winding down uh, proprietary processor and platform spend within that group and uh, whether wrapping up some of that proprietary spend had a significant impact on the improvement this quarter. Thank you. 
Well, Richard, I, I wish I could give you a crisp answer to your question, and I guess the good news about the answer is it's been it was pretty pretty broad based performance. Uh, I, if if I could give you one thing, I would, but it really is a combination of the fact that we grew revenue. Point one, point two, we were more disciplined in our approach to dealing with pricing, which was. Point two, and I think the team did a marvelous job of, of, of trying to improve their performance in that area, which did have an effect on gross margin. And we were prudent in the way that we dealt with our expense structure. Some had to do with the, the uh, proprietary uh, situations you've described, but at the same time, we were just tighter with a buck, uh, would be the best way I would describe it. At the same time, when you look at company R&D, company R&D overall was roughly flat. So, you know, I, I think it's a combination of stories at the same time. And when you can put up good growth numbers, you can be disciplined in your approach to the marketplace, and then you can be careful with what you're spending and make sure it's aligned appropriately. Good things to happen, hap, tend to happen to the P&L, which is what happened in ESS. Thank you, Richard. Next question, please. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Rebecca Runkle with Morgan Stanley. Uh, good afternoon. Thanks. Just a Mark, if you could talk strategically about some of the new channel programs that you launched in November and just what some of the key messages were and the uh, reaction from your channel partners. Sure. Um, we uh, began the process of really trying to align our channel programs into channel performance. So I think the best way to think of it, Rebecca, is nothing more than what we would do, you know, in the company. In the fact that if you're a channel partner and you're performing, meaning not just higher volume, but but more strategic content that we align around that higher volume, we're going to align our channel compensation and try to align that to the performance of the partner. And um, you know, like anything else, we do get the question a fair amount: Are you going all direct? Are you going all direct? And as we say, that's that's not our that's not our situation at all. Uh, we're trying to focus on. Getting getting into the kind of partnerships that really aligns around where we want to take the company. So the reaction to it, I, I think, has been pretty good amongst the key partners because the key partners who are really performing um, really uh, deserve uh, a better opportunity in the marketplace. So we, we've had generally good reaction to it. And we're, we're also trying to be focused at the same time as having greater predictability uh, in the channel at the same time. And so all of these programs are aligned around performance, predictability, and uh, you know, we think will be a, a positive for the company overall. Thank you, Rebecca. Next question, please. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Shannon Cross with Cross Research. Hi. Good afternoon. Uh, just a quick question following up on your comments about commercial printing. I'm curious as to sort of the level of where commercial printing is running for your business right now, margins you expect, growth rates, um, and you know, how do you see this growing over the next few years? Well, I probably won't go to gross margins and, and a few of those things, but what you've got in the commercial printing world, and I'll, I'll particularly talk about the, the um, high-end printing market, but typically go to small and medium businesses. These are companies that typically do a lot of printing in a community. They typically have a high-end, perhaps uh, analog press. Most of that analog printing base is beginning to move to digital. And as that base moves to digital, we believe we're very well positioned with both our Indigo platform, um, which is, we think, the best digital printing press in the world. Uh, we believe we've added capability to that with Cytex, which really delivers uh, big print. It allows you to banners that will go across streets, that will go across buildings. Uh, so we think we can now come in with our traditional uh, print offerings that you might think of from the company in addition to Cytex, in addition to Indigo, and really deliver the full experience uh, for a, a 
a, for a printer. And there are numbers, you know, tens of thousands of these printers just in the United States, in addition to another group of tens of thousands that sit in Europe and around the world. And we want to bring that integrated proposition to those, to those customers. And that includes not only the printer, the supplies, and the service experience uh, at the same time. So as a result, yeah, it does have a positive uh, opportunity for us in gross margin. I think the biggest issue that we've got to deal with there, though, is dealing with our go-to-market model and ensuring that we get to the marketplace and make sure we're participating in those uh, decisions as that market does move from analog to digital. Thanks, Shannon. Next question, please. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Harry Blout with Lehman Brothers. Hi, guys. Um, quick question on the services business. Mark, you mentioned that you had the best profitability in the last two and three years, X, the bonus accrual. I didn't hear you say, though, that uh, consulting integration and managed services were profitable, however. And given the fact that you guys have been focused on maybe slowing the top-line growth to drive profitability up faster, I was hoping you'd give a little bit more perspective on that. That does seem like an area of possible improvement. And then also on the uh, cash front, the uh, acquisitions you made recently have been mostly software-focused. Is that likely where we're going to continue to see the activity? Okay. Um, I'll let Bob take the second one, um, but uh, I'll give you the first one. So to your point, um, they were improved performances um, in both of those organizations. Um, and uh, so I would say that probably the best performance, i got to be careful with this, Harry, but call it roughly the best performance, uh, over the past several periods in both consulting and integration and in managed services. Now, I only caution you to say that didn't say they were great results. Um, all I said, they were improved results. So I think that would be the best way to characterize it. And, you know, we've been working on trying to improve. And, and do I think we have more opportunity to improve? The answer is yes. Uh, but at the same time, we did show some improvement uh, in the quarter. With regard to uh, the use of cash for acquisitions, you know, very very hard to forecast any number. Uh, we will see some cash outflow for um, for uh, Peregrine um, and a couple others here in Q1. The areas of focus, though, are are no different than what we've talked about in the past. Uh, certainly, software remains a field of, uh, of of interest. You've seen us do a couple of things in the printing space. Um, certainly, in services, uh, we continue to look. Uh, we'll just have to see. I'll just add a little bit of color too here. I mean, I think to Bob's point, I mean, we're what you've seen from us is is a relatively reasonable predictor of our of our behavior. I mean, we're we're certainly not trying to um, sneak up on anyone here. I mean, we've got areas of focus that are keen for us, and um, we want to deal with acquisitions that we believe are digestible and manageable. Um, and I think our behavior has been indicative of that. Thanks, Harry. Next question, please, operator. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Andy McCullough with. CSFB. Uh, thanks. Mark, within your revenue guidance for Q1 in the full year, can you just shed some light on, on what your expectations are for demand trends in the various markets, i.e. consumer, enterprise, SMB, and federal, and then also just from a, uh, a geographic perspective? Thanks. Well, I think that the the message that uh, the best I could give you is that within the reason of a little bit of difference based on geography, a little bit of difference based on some product segments and some customer segments. Demand is roughly steady across the way that we that we look at things. Are stable? Maybe that's a, a better word. So um, that, that's how we view things. There obviously are a little different story in Western Europe than you may see in Eastern Europe. A little different story of consumer than what you would see in in high end commercial. Um, 
But in the end, I think the best way I could summarize for you, based on what we see, is is a roughly stable local currency um, kind of environment. Thank you. Next question, please. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Keith Bachman with Bank of America. Hi. Thanks, guys. Um, Bob, I wanted to go back to the share buyback. Um, what I thought I heard you say is you thought shares would be relatively constant. Was A, that for the the, the, uh, the next quarter, or were B, you making comments um, as you talk about the 06 outlook? Because I would assume that, in fact, with the pace of the recent buybacks, that share count would continue to, to work down. Could you just uh, help clarify? Thanks. Sure. Uh, I, I meant to communicate uh, a statement around expectations, steady state throughout 06. Now, obviously, something could change as we go forward. But uh, to the uh, second part of your question, uh, keep in mind that you know we spent $1.4 in cash on share buyback this quarter, and it just stayed constant. So it's um, you know we're, we're fighting with the increasing stock price. We're fighting um, increased issuance for stock option programs, as well as an even bigger factor uh, is this common stock equivalent, uh, which uh, went up this past quarter over um, over 20 million shares. So even though it's uh, just an accounting entry, it, it, it does affect the EPS calculation. It all depends as to whether we stay even get ahead or fall behind, it depends upon primarily what happens to the stock price because that will drive exercise behavior and it will drive the CSE calculation. Thanks, Keith. Next question, please, operator. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Cindy Shaw with Morrison Cabot. Thanks very much. I was wondering if you could quantify for us the impact of the bonus on the quarter in terms of the margin. No, Cindy, we are we are not going to uh, quantify that. We uh, we've said what we're going to say about it. It was uh, it was a significant number. Um, certainly, uh, you saw how the how, how much improvement we had in our results, and uh, that uh, drives a significant number. But we're not going to quantify it. We we'll take the next question, please, operator. Thank you. Our next question comes from Lana Chris Whitmore with Deutsche Bank. Uh, thanks. Wanted to come around to the revenue guidance question. Looks like the midpoint of guidance. To the top line is about four four and a half percent revenue growth. Uh, can you talk about the expectations from contribution uh, from acquisitions, and then tied to that, looks like you're expecting a bit of a deceleration uh, in Q1 versus Q4. Can you talk about uh, what areas or what product lines you expect uh, slower growth? Thanks. Well, let, let me start um, with, with uh, a bit of uh, re- refuting the, 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 the premise of the question. Uh, you know, we basically are calling for uh, steady, uh, stable, constant currency growth. We had 6% constant currency growth in 05, and we're calling for that same in 06. Uh, it's not going to vary on a constant currency basis in our model anyways, much by quarter. So there's really no intended message about uh, quarterly trends uh, in, in all of this. Um, it's... Uh, you know, it, it's a, obviously unknown exactly where currency will end up, and the growth rates uh, will end up being different depending upon what happens to currency, but uh, that's what we're looking for. We'll take two more questions, operator. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Brian Alexander with Raymond James. Uh, thanks. Just a question on the uh, working capital. It's at its lowest level as a percentage of sales in, in years. How much of the improvement in the trade cycle, Bob, would you say 
uh, you know, is, is more structural versus a function of mix? And can you just give us an update on how much more improvement you might expect, uh, particularly on the DSOs and inventory terms? Thanks. So first, with regard to receivables and uh, DSO, the improvement that we've had is largely structural. Um, it does, of course, depend upon the um, the, the environment, the, the credit environment, if you will, and how uh, how able people are to pay. And uh, as you know, uh, certainly U.S. Uh, businesses are in pretty healthy financial condition these days. But putting uh, those kinds of factors aside, uh, we have made structural improvements. It's not it's not really a mix issue. Uh, and we should therefore expect things to uh, continue at about the same level going forward. We are not predicting uh, uh, any noticeable improvement in DSO from this point forward. Inventory, we've also made good progress this past year. I, I should uh, point out that after you know not doing quite as well in the prior year, so we, we needed to make that progress. Uh, but in the case of inventory, uh, there still is room for further improvement in inventory. And, um, you know, don't want to go into it now, all the all the efforts that are underway, but uh, we're still not uh, world-class in our inventory management. We'll take one more question, operator. Thank you, sir. Our final question today will come from the line of Stephen Fortuna with Prudential. Yeah, two quick things. One is I didn't hear any commentary around um, SMB versus large enterprise, kind of relative strength. Maybe you can comment on that. And then secondly, Mark, maybe you could give me your thoughts on how do you think the timing of Vista might impact business in uh, in 06? I'm sorry, it's, uh, how, how the timing of what? Oh, okay. Um, uh, let me go into the, uh, I'll go make comment on the Vista thing first. I think we factored that into what we've delivered to you today in terms of in terms of guidance. Um, you know, there is there is some buzz out there about Vista. We'll see how it uh, we'll see how it uh, evolves. Second question. Uh, Oh, SMB versus the enterprise. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I could tell you some stories about SMB in, in, in the Americas versus in Europe, and I could tell it to you versus the enterprise in both, but I think while there is some color I could add, it's been relatively steady across those segments, so I can't give you any defining difference between the segments that would, I think, give any illumination. So let me uh, stop there for today and say, uh, first, thanks for your questions. Uh, before wrapping up, I wanted to summarize today's call by saying that uh, that I am pleased with the company's execution in, in the fourth quarter. Uh, we had solid revenue growth. We saw improved momentum and margin expansion in some of our key businesses. We had good cost discipline, and we generated strong cash flow. We began the implementation of a restructuring program that will improve our cost structure and allow HP to become more competitive. We returned $1.6 billion to shareholders in the form of share repurchases and dividends, and we rewarded employees for their hard work by paying our first significant bonus in many years. That said, we, we know we have more work to do, but we are pleased with our progress today. We'll conclude uh, today's earnings call with this, that uh, we do look forward to seeing you at our Securities Analyst Meeting in New York City on December 13th, and let me thank you again for joining today's call.